0: Welcome friends to another r slash malicious compliance video, so I was looking at my statistics and it turns out that only one of you guys aren't subscribed, so if you don't want to be the one holdout, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the days by Hard Primer, we need a urine sample. I was a CRNA, certified registered nurse anesthetist for those outside the US, for many years in the military and civilian life. I'm that job you handle narcotics and other controlled medications every day. There's a record of every dose you administer and every bit you waste. Turn in for random analysis. One day, I was sitting in my operating room minding my own business when another CRNA and an anesthesiologist came into my room and told me the clinical director of the department wants to see me. I'm curious but not concerned. I walk up to his office and am then escorted to the office of another department director and told to have a seat outside the office. I'm getting a bit nervous now as there should be no reason for me to be here. I'm left cooling my heels while I'm imagining worst-case scenario, a malpractice lawsuit, but have never caused injury or death in my entire career. I was actually pretty good being military trained. Now I'm working myself up to the point of physical illness, nausea. Eventually, I'm led up to the office to find several people in suits and a senior anesthesiologist. They introduce themselves and are from the state's Impaired Physicians Division, and I'm being investigated for diverting controlled substances, stealing. My nausea and terror are immediately replaced by red-hot rage. I become calm and focused. Knowing you're innocent and being older and mature helps a lot. As background, I've never had to take a narcotic for anything in my life, except the Tylenol number 3 as a teenager, when my wisdom teeth were pulled when I was an enlisted troop. I smoked a lot of weed back then, it was the 70s, but gave that up when I was in my early 20s as urine is randomly tested. I'm told my administration records for hydromorphone was incorrect. I'm really angry now and calmly ask, okay, now what? I'm escorted to a bathroom where I have to give a sample of urine while being watched. No problem, back to the office. I'm asked for a hair sample. I pull my surgical cap off, showing my almost shaved head. I bicycled a lot and it was cooler. I say, we have a problem. I then, in front of the entire office, ask for the scissors. I drop my scrub pants and underwear, grab a handful of hair down there, Cut them off, place them on the foil used to ship it to the lab, and say, There's your mother freaking hair. Anything else? They all look kind of shocked and go to an adjoining office, leaving me alone with one person from the state. I asked him if I was going back to work. He told me they were discussing that. I asked what he thought. He said, By my reactions, he was pretty sure I wasn't stealing anything. They let me go, and the case I was in was over by then, so I went home. I started a week of vacation the next day. I made the mistake of looking up drug testing stats, looking at false positive rates and worrying about that for the week, it took the test to come back. They came back clean. The problem was of my making as we had changed to a computer charting system and I had screwed up recording the drug in the recovery room as it was a different system. This triggered an investigation by a pharmacist to see if there was theft. She could have asked about charting instead of going right to the idea of theft. Fast forward a couple of months, I'm asked to go to a conference room where I see the controlled substance pharmacist and all the anesthesia department heads. Since my run-in last time, I had become the most fastidious recorder in the department. The pharmacist starts off by saying my narcotic records are still not correct. I smile the smile of righteous knowing she's wrong. I ask for computer records she's holding. I look them over, hand them back and say, nope, you're reading them wrong. She wasn't looking at the post-op record where the Dilaudid is charted in the recovery room. I hand it around to the rest of the table and every other person agrees with me. She goes pale and says, well, you also never turn in any waste, and that's an indicator of diversion. I said, I give everything I draw up. The chief of the department says, I give everything also. It's common. She's really not looking well now. I look straight at her and say, if there is another meeting like this one or the last one, I will be bringing a lawyer, and I'll be suing you personally. And trust me, I have the time and resources to do that, and I would have gladly spent the money to freak with her at that point. My profession pays a very good salary, and I would have eaten ramen every day to finance a lawsuit, got up and left. Because I'm a vindictive, petty, passive-aggressive jerk, from that point on, I turned in waste narcotics every day. 0.1 milliliters of every syringe I drew up. The OR pharmacist has to account for all that waste and it made his life complicated. Eventually he complained to my boss who told me he understands what I was doing, told me my point was demonstrated and asked me if I would stop it. I did. Several years later the accusing pharmacist was demoted for missing a crap load of fentanyl and never reporting it. I was hoping she had bone cancer. but. I'll take that bit of karma. If you found out the reason why you had to be taken aside, having to take a urine sample and provide a hair sample on the spot, and then show up for another additional meeting, all happening because your manager just misread the reports, would you give them a piece of your mind? Or do you think you'd be able to remain professional in a situation like that? For me, I don't know, it might be kind of hard. Let me know what you think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Colin Alcars. It's too hot in here? Yesterday it was too cold? Okay. This is a story from many years ago, told to me by my friend's father over 30 years ago. My friend's father works for Sears and Roebuck for years. He held all manner of positions throughout his career, but at one point in time, his job included supervising the operators that took your phone calls when you called in orders from the Sears catalog. As I said, this is an old story. Anyway, the operator sat in a room that was contained within the actual store, right off the retail floor, separated by a short hallway and an employees-only sign door. This room held 10 or 12 women who all just took calls and recorded orders for products. My friend's dad said they would constantly complain to him that their room was too hot or too cold, often too cold in the morning and too hot in the same afternoon, etc. Further, some women would complain it was too cold while some others at the same time would complain it was too hot. Meanwhile, the temperature of the store was centrally controlled and my friend's dad had no ability to have the temperature changed back and forth on any particular given day without the actual store manager's approval. And what they did was set the whole store to a constant temperature anyway. So basically my friend's dad would get all these complaints from employees that he was managing that he A. didn't really put much stock in as there were no other complaints about the store temperature and B couldn't do anything about it anyway. So one evening, after the operator's shift was over and the store was closed, he went over to the hardware department and grabbed a thermostat controller, the old school kind that just kind of sat on the wall and had an analog dial to spin and set the temperature wherever you wanted it. He installed it on the wall in the operator's room but of course didn't connect it to anything. The next day, the ladies all come in to start their shift and my friend's dad came into their room. Good morning ladies, I have great news for you, I know you all have been uncomfortable with the temperature in this room for ages, and you know how bad I felt that I wasn't able to do anything to help you, well finally my requests to the store manager have been heard, and the maintenance people connected a thermostat that specifically controls this room's temperature, and they said as long as you don't run the AC below 68 degrees, or the heat above 74, you can set it yourselves. He pointed to the thermostat controller on the wall and everyone was happy. One of them walked right over and leaned in and made it a little colder or hotter or whatever. He reminded her that it would take about 15 to 30 minutes for the temperature to stabilize after the set point was changed. From that day forward and for the 5 years longer he worked in that department, he never heard another single complaint from them About the temperature. This isn't really the same thing, but this story reminds me a lot of stories my mom told me as a kid when she was working. She would do some customer service stuff where you have to walk around from room to room, and of course, there was an employee break room. In the employee break room there's an air conditioner and I guess a lot of people who worked for the company came from countries that were just way hotter. So they're really used to warm climates and warm situations. So my mom was describing it would be like 80 degrees in the break room and they would have the heat on. Meanwhile, she's walking around from room to room helping people out. So obviously high 70s, low 80s will probably work up a little bit of a sweat. Imagine getting back to the break room, sitting down, and it's 80 degrees and the heat is on. I felt so bad for her when she told me that story. This next story is by Lump KZ, won't pay for my breakfast? Well okay, then spend 8,000 on a coffee machine in the name of equality. Let me preface this by saying this is not in the US, but a smaller country in Europe so a company our size is pretty big. I worked for a said pretty big engineering company with around 2,500 employees spread around the world. The main part of us, I guess around 2,000, works in our home country, with the main bulk stationed in four big offices. Besides the big offices, there's also some smaller ones scattered around the country, I work in one of those. In total, we're 18 people employed at our office. This is obviously not enough people to warrant a reception desk, canteen, IT department, and so on. That means we get on by ourselves for the most part, unless it's a bigger problem we can't solve, in which case we have to call one of the main offices for help. It's a bit slower sometimes, but it's okay, and we don't make a fuss. This also means that there's some differences in how stuff is done in the different places. For example, in our office, the office tasks, ordering paper, organizing the storage area arranging office get-togethers and stuff like that is just something we all do to make things run. None of us mind as it's just small stuff that doesn't take a lot of time. In the bigger offices, there's people employed to handle all that stuff. Well, one of our company perks is that every Friday we get 30 minutes paid breakfast in the office. In the bigger offices, there's a canteen where they arrange the breakfast, so the employees just have to waltz down, eat and go back to work. In our office, we take turns going to the nearest bakery and buying breakfast, then go to our grocery store and get stuff to put on the bread, all in our own time before coming in. We'll get the breakfast reimbursed but not the time. Again, we didn't mind the arrangement and neither did the facility managers stationed in the main offices. What they suddenly did have a problem with is that we have a habit of buying some morning cakes, cinnamon buns or whatever we felt like that day. Might sound weird, but it's a tradition where I'm from, and it's delicious, to go with the breakfast. One day, my boss got a mail from them with a list of what the breakfast could contain and nothing else, and also a budget for each person, because it had to be equal for all offices. That meant we couldn't get our cakes anymore, and neither cold cuts of meat for our bread. Both because it wasn't on the list, and because we often went a little bit over budget. The office was in an uproar, I tell you. Don't mess with an engineer's breakfast, so we comply, and only buy the stuff we're allowed to, but we hatch out a plan. If they want it to all be equal, all will have to be equal, which means, one, all of us start putting 30 minutes each Friday on the company, as we're entitled to, before we often just put a smaller amount of time down, or we just didn't and the time disappeared to other tasks, which the company could build to clients. 18 times 30 minutes equals 9 hours each week of lost time, already a lot more than what the breakfast cost extra. 2. We ask for somewhere to put the time we spend collecting breakfast and cleaning afterwards, as the other offices didn't have to do it themselves, and it had to be equal. 3. We make a list of other stuff we don't have that the other offices do, We named every small thing that we could come up with, including but not limited to IT department, receptionist, kitchen worker to help collect and make the breakfast, facility worker to keep storage stocked up, fancy coffee machine. What we had was an old school regular coffee maker, other offices had fancy automatic ones with different blends and stuff. I think around 15 to 20 bullet points of varying pettiness. My boss sends the list to the main office and tells them we need this for all things to be equal, as you wanted. Well, we now have a fancy coffee machine costing around 8,000 to get installed because a new water line had to be drawn to where it's placed and a much bigger maintenance cost because of different blends, cleaning and so on. Meanwhile, we're all waiting for our IT department to get set up, but I'm guessing we'll get our cakes back before that happens. You know, it's almost scarily symbolic that the big guys in their giant offices with all of their luxury niceness start looking down at the little guys and start nickel and diming them on what they can and can't do. No, 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 I know you have to go and literally get your own breakfast at the store, but you can't spend three to five extra bucks per person. Now, if you excuse me, my $8,000 coffee machine that I pressed one button on to make a cup of joe is done, so I'll have to call you back. It's kind of funny to see that they're actually making some concessions to these people, but I think like OP said, I'm willing to bet they're going to renege on all of this stuff. It's gonna get to the point where they're like, okay, we're done trying to look like we're caring about appeasing you, just have your darn breakfast cakes or whatever. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.